What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Oh, my God. This is Joey Styles, and you're listening to the two-man power trip podcast. This is Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. This is Cody Rhodes, the prince of pro wrestling, and you are listening to two-man power trip. This is Jimmy Vine, the boogie Wooker man. Tell my people and my brothers and sisters, don't you dare miss John and Chad. Hey, everybody out there. This is the franchise Shane Douglas. Remember me? <laughs> well, guys, it's great to be on the show again. I appreciate you asking me back. So you said you were going to pinch yourself. I didn't know it was that kind of show now. I mean, if you guys are in the privacy of your own home, if you want to do these things. Good. How you doing, Chad? Hey, Johnny. Cool, man. What's going on? We ready to go or what? Hey, man. What's up, guys? This is Homicide. Oh, that's my homie. Homicide with a big homie club. Yeah, that would be it. Hey, this is David Penzer, and this is the two-man power trip of wrestling. Well, thank you, thank you. Hear me, fear me. I don't do many wrestling shows anymore, probably because I'm a bit ignorant. You guys probably know ten times more than I do. Look, Mean Gene, I can't be beat. I'm the greatest of all time. And I would say that. And every kid, I, they knew they could kick the out of me. Great talking to you guys. It's been your pleasure. <laughs> They've worked in and around the wrestling business. They've studied thousands of hours of wrestling, and now they bring to you the greatest legends, Hall of Famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are Primetime Pod and Chad, the two-man power trip of wrestling. They say a miracle is a brief moment of divine intervention. Well, Dusty Rhodes, for 1986, you've had your miracle. Now all things come back to the way they're supposed to be. All the miracles are past. All the fictitious fantasies that you live in have all passed. Now we come back to reality, and the four horsemen are reality. Reality number one, I am the world television champion. Nothing can be done about that. Reality number two, Tully Blanchard is the national heavyweight champion. Nothing can be done about that. James Day Dillon is the mastermind. Nothing can be done about that. Myself and Ole Anderson are the Minnesota record crew, destined to be the world tag team champions. Nothing can be done about that. And last, but definitely not least, the cream has risen to the top. Ric Flair has taken his rightful place back as world heavyweight champion. Dusty Rhodes, we told you, Tully Blanchard was our representative. He was the messenger. We sent him. We decided he would take it upon himself to correct what has been wronged. Well, as you see, Rhodes, you're lipping around on that bad wheel. And from henceforth, our next objective, you're going to be taken out for good in 86. He's going to show everybody he's going to be the world TV champion for a long time to come. Here comes the move. Oh, his knees are up. Anderson pulled his knees up. And then the southern plexus of Muda. What the heck is going on here? DDT, what's going on? DDT, one, two, three, yeah! No! Oh, ladies and gentlemen, here is your winner. And new. Oh, 
is the two-man power trip of wrestling, and you are listening to episode number 263 of the two-man power trip of wrestling podcast, a podcast that you can catch two times a week by downloading it from any of the places you get your podcast from, whether it's iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Player FM, Earpeeler, or my personal favorite, the Podomatic app. You never know who's going to be on the other end of the line of the two-man power trip of wrestling. And with that being said, my name is Chad, and as always, I'm joined by my partner, the one and only John Paz. And that saying could not be any more true today, as we are joined by quite possibly one of the biggest guests in the history of our show as the enforcer, Double A. Arn Anderson joins the program for what is one of my personal favorite interviews of all time. And Arn Anderson joins us to promote the Mid-Atlantic Wrestling Expo this coming May 20th down in Richmond, Virginia at the Richmond Convention Center. A one-of-a-kind experience where a lot of the legends of the Mid-Atlantic Wrestling area will come together and kind of converge with a few of the WWF's greatest stars. And it's really embracing the heritage of Mid-Atlantic Wrestling, especially in the Richmond, Virginia area, which was such a hub for so many different territories, whether it was the Crockett Promotions in the NWA or the WWF. And even still today with the WWE always having big shows down at the Richmond Coliseum. But we're all going to get together at the Richmond Convention Center to really just talk about and have such a great time with so many legends of the professional wrestling industry. And with the two-man power trip of wrestling on May 20th, we will be joined by AA Arn Anderson. And we couldn't be any happier to be doing it. Now, we had talked about we were going to have a guest that was already kind of announced for the event, but unfortunately that had fallen through due to no fault of our own. And Arn Anderson has stepped in to take over the reins of this appearance. And John and I, for other reasons, are so happy to be there. We're going to be hosting a Q&A and a huge dinner the night before the convention. But Arn Anderson and the two-man power trip, what a winning combination. What a way to kick it off by talking about none other than, of course, the four horsemen. And with Double A, I mean, you could talk about his time with Ole Anderson and the Minnesota Wrecking Crew. You could talk about his singles career. You could talk about so many things, but I think it begins and ends with his affiliation in the Four Horsemen. Of course, the one who came up with the phrase and the name, the Four Horsemen, and we dive into that. And I know there's so much to touch on, so I'm going to kind of cut it short because I'd love for John to give his take. I know Arn Anderson, one of his all-time favorites, and John, as I welcome you in here, tell us a little bit more about what we have to look forward to with Arn Anderson. What an amazing time we are going to have on May 20th in Richmond, Virginia, as well as maybe some of your favorite memories of the enforcer, Arn Anderson. Oh, yes, Chad. Back at the two-man power trip in a huge, huge way for a monumental episode. You said it was one of our biggest ever, and without a shadow of a doubt, it definitely is. The enforcer himself, Double A, Arn Anderson, joins the two-man power trip of wrestling for an awesome episode, a great trip down memory lane. And to be honest, I got to say this first and foremost, I am a huge, huge Arn Anderson fan. I have been for many, many years. He's just one of those guys, you just look at him and you say, 
man, he is unbelievable. What a talent. Just love the gimmick, love the wrestling, I love his work rate, I love uh, his promos, I love the way he talks, I love everything about him, and, and I may be crazy for saying this, and I know a lot of people will say you know the opposite or they're going to disagree, but, and I've said this since the first time I saw both of them, I like Arn Anderson more than I like Flair. I think Arn Anderson was better than Ric Flair, and I'm sure a lot of people are going to say, this guy is nuts, this guy's clueless. Watch it, go back, watch Arn's matches, just watch how masterful he is in the ring, watch everything he does with a purpose, the psychology, the selling, he is a genius, what a wrestler, what a heel, everything, he was a complete package, one of the most perfect wrestlers you could ever possibly find, and just go back and watch his promos, I know we talked to him in the interview about this, but go back and watch the promos, he's not yelling, he's not doing anything crazy to get his point across, He's just almost like talking to you man to man. It's almost like he's talking to you through the screen. It's very simple, and it's so well done. I mean, his promos are so lasting, and it's funny. He says it in the interview. He says that his promos are more remembered now than, than they were remembered then, but they were. he's just so good, and he's such a master, and the WB right now is so lucky to have him as a road agent and a producer for all these years because imagine the knowledge that you're getting from this guy. It's just unbelievable and you know I'm gonna get slack for it but Arn write this down John Primetime Pod says Arn was better than Flair and there you go but uh, you know besides that I mean uh, me just being a huge Arn Anderson guy and, I, and I'm talking about his awesome promos talking about his awesome work rate and what wrestling ability he had it was just a total honor to be able to get him on the show who's one of those guys you know in the old bucket list you have the guys some of your favorite wrestlers of all time and, you know, we had on Dusty, he definitely a bucket list guy. Bruno San Martino, bucket list guy for us for sure. I mean, there's these guys that just, you know, they mean a little bit more to the show than you may realize, you may think, from from our perspective anyway. And Arn is one of those guys for me, total bucket list guy. Just love Arn, always loved him for many years. The DDT, the Spine Buster, the Gourd Buster, so many cool moves and so many excellently executed moves from Arn. So it's really great to talk about some of the awesome matches he had as well and he really really loved the rock and roll express and he really really loves working with the rockers and obviously when you're working with those guys you got to have a good tag partner and we talk about his favorite tag partner of course that is tully blanchard the brain busters if you will we do go into their whole tag team run we go into the whole run of the four horsemen but with Tully specifically, that's his favorite partner, and to be honest, that might have been his best partner. I mean, he's had some really good ones. Uh, Zabisco, Bobby Eaton, uh, the list goes on and on. I mean, he's seen with Benoit before. Obviously, um, a lot of people are not going to like this, but he, you know, him and Roma had really good chemistry, and they had some good matches together. Maybe he might disagree with that as well. But I'm mean, just throwing that out there as well. I mean, so many. Ric Flair, Ole Anderson. I mean, my God. I mean, you just keep going and going. How many awesome tag partners Arn has had, and he being the main key the main cog to that tag team wheel but you know you talk about telly talk about the brain busters and the wwf and talk about poppy the brain heenan so we go through a whole gamut here i mean this is a good lengthy interview and honor to be able to get the time that we did with arn and this is one that will go down as one of my all-time favorites and chad like you mentioned not only do we get to interview the man we will be spending a lot of time with him coming up in Richmond, Virginia, May 20th at the Mid-Atlantic Wrestle Expo over at the Richmond Convention Center in Richmond, Virginia. So 
the man that made a name for himself in the NWA in the Mid-Atlantic area and for JCP will be returning on May the 20th for the Mid-Atlantic Wrestle Expo. Check it out on our Facebook page and our Twitter and everywhere else, but also check it out on Mid-Atlantic Wrestle Expo's website and also check them out on Facebook and check out M-A-W-E on Twitter as well. Excellently said, and get yourself to Richmond, Virginia, if you can, and experience 48 hours of Mid-Atlantic Wrestling greatness with so many amazing superstars in attendance, but most importantly, the enforcer, Double-A, Arn Anderson, alongside the two-man power trip of wrestling, Literally cannot wait. Counting down the days, the seconds, the minutes. It is going to be one for the ages. And we'd like to put this interview in that category as well. And if you like what you heard, please listen to what John has to say in the two-man power trip of wrestling business. Make yourself heard. Let us know what you think of the show. Come out and see Arn Anderson if you can. Talk a little four horsemen business, if you will. And definitely show your support, and we appreciate Arn Anderson and everything he's done in his career, as well as taking the time and spending a beautiful afternoon with the two-man power trip. I'd like to hear if you can hear the birds chirping in the background. But Double A was fantastic. John, this is one of our favorites. So do what you do best now as the music starts to creep in. Hit him with a little bit of two-man power trip of wrestling business and get it on over to Double A, Arn Anderson. And now for some TMPT business. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Two Man Power Trip and at Wrestling Pal. Please visit our website, tmptofwrestling.com. That is tmptofwrestling.com. Subscribe to us on YouTube. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes. While you're on iTunes, check out the feed for some legendary episodes featuring the living legend himself, Bruno San Martino, the late great American Dream, Dusty Rhodes. Ray Mysterio Jr., Jeffrey McDivitt, Brutus the Barber Beefcake, Mr. Wonderful Paul Ondorf, AJ Styles, and so many others. Also, while you're surfing the web, check out WrestlingInc.com. Yes, that is WrestlingInc.com. They are the number one wrestling news source out there, so please check them out. Also, while on the internet, go to ProWrestlingTees.com. Yes, ProWrestlingTees.com is your superstore. If you are a super fan, and you can please check out our page while you're there, you can check out Tito Santana, Paul Orndorff, Coco Beware, Magnum TA, Buff Bagwell, and so, so many others. Follow along with the two-man power trip of wrestling in 2017 as we hit the road and we come to a town near you. May 19th and May 20th, we hit the Mid-Atlantic Wrestling Expo in Richmond, Virginia, then... Follow us to New Jersey as we hit Legends of the Ring in Monroe. So please follow along with the two-man power trip of wrestling in 2017, because you never know where we may land. And now, without any further ado, a former five-time WCW Tag Team Champion, a former four-time WCW Television Champion, he is a WWE Hall of Famer and a former WWE Tag Team Champion. He's an original member of the Four Horsemen. He is Double A, the Enforcer, Arn Anderson. Please enjoy. 
All right. Well, joining us on the line today is a man that quite simply is known as the Enforcer. He is an original member of the Four Horsemen. He's a five-time WCW Tag Team Champion. He's a four-time WCW TV Champion. He's a former WWE Tag Team Champion. Of course, he's also a member of the illustrious WWE Hall of Fame. I I can't be any prouder to welcome into the two-man power trip of wrestling the one and only Double-A Arn Anderson, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, guys, after a, a build-up and a lead-in like that, we should probably just hang up. I don't know how you top that. Yeah, that's very, very nice of you. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Oh, my absolute pleasure. It's honestly, the pleasure is all ours. We're, uh, we're so excited to have you on, and we're so excited to talk about the big event up in Richmond, Virginia on May 20th, the Mid-Atlantic Wrestle Expo. Obviously, the Four Horsemen and Arn Anderson know a lot about Richmond, Virginia, but this event features so many contemporaries of yours, so many great names. But how do you feel about making a return to Richmond and kind of uh, carrying on the legacy that you've spent so many great nights in, I believe, that Richmond Coliseum down there? But what's it like uh, coming back to Richmond? Well, it's uh, in this capacity, you know, uh, I've been working for WWE as a producer the last 16 years, so I've been back to Richmond. But when you're beside, behind the scenes versus being in the ring, it's a total different job. It's a total different feeling entirely. Um, to be able to sit down and, and go eyeball to eyeball with, with people, that fans that, that, you know, told me, hey, you know, I hated your guts, you know, when I was growing up, or I loved y'all, you guys growing up. Either way, I'm just as satisfied because I spent all those years in the ring looking out, and you really don't see faces, and all you can hear is, is the roar and the blur of, uh, of the excitement going on, but you don't really have the personal one-on-one relationship that you do at one of these events. So I haven't did that many. I just my, uh, I just my time would not permit it. But now I'm getting to go to a couple here and there, and, and this one is really near and dear to my heart because Richmond was a great town with great support from the fans over the years. And it's so cool, and we're really we're honored to be joined uh, with you that day because uh, we know the legacy of uh, what Jim Crockett Promotions did and the NWA and being up in this Richmond area. You know, the, there's so much history, there's so many great matches, and you being able to get on that convention scene is awesome because it's kind of taken on a world of its own. I mean, you, you basically uh, you see one popping up all the time, and they're always packed. Wrestling fans are some of the most passionate people that you could possibly find in any industry. But when you get to meet the people one-on-one, what's the most satisfying thing for you uh, when they come up and share a memory or bring an item to you that maybe you've never seen before? What do you take the most from uh, actually getting to meet them one-on-one? Well, it's funny. You know, they all have stories to tell, but they have, most of them have one particular moment in time, whether it's they saw you going through the airport or they were there when you were coming in the arena or leaving the arena or maybe you got knocked out over the top rope and almost landed in their lap. But they all have an individual story to tell that either really, really grated on their nerves or really made them very happy. And uh, they're, they're so tickled to share that with you. And a lot of times I will actually remember 
that incident. If it was something out of the ordinary, you remember those just as well. So you have kind of a shared moment, and, and that's pretty cool. It's so cool. And then I'm just looking at the list of guys while you're talking here, and just the, I'm sure the paths that you've crossed with each one of these guys, I mean, it's absolutely unbelievable. You've got you know, a good friend of ours in Magnum TA, obviously J.J. Dillon, Nikita Koloff, Bill Eady, the Rock and Roll Express, Road Warrior Animal. These are guys that are just, it's going to go down. There's never going to be an era like it again. They're all timeless. I love to use that word. It's timeless. But, you know, when you get around these guys, do you get to conjure up a lot of those great memories? And is there sometimes uh, where you guys really, you know, you want to run to each other and be like, hey, remember when we did this in Richmond here? Or you remember that night we had down at, uh, you know, this Coliseum? Is that what you like at these events, too, is seeing these guys, maybe not after seeing them for a long time? You better believe it. Um, I just had a really cool experience um, with the Rock and Roll Express going in the WWE Hall of Fame. And uh, it's one of those things that you just kind of got to be on the inside. The two things that I've been asked over the years, and I'll try to be brief, but this was a moment that was really cool for me. Um, two things I'm asked. What's Ole doing? Number one. Number two, who was the favorite tag team that you, you loved wrestling? Well, Tully and I, it's always the same answer. It's the Rock and Roll Express and the Rockers. So... They were dedicating uh, this past Hall of Fame during the week. They were all, uh, dedicating a statue to Ric Flair. So they, I get a call and from Talent Relations, and they go, "We would like for you to be there, obviously. So if you don't mind, come on down. You know, we got your transportation, you know, taken care of." So I go out, I walk out, I get in this big black SUV, and there sits Ricky and Robert in the back seat. I'm in the middle seat, and there is Shawn Michaels. The only one missing was Janetti and Tully, obviously. But I just looked around, and that's the first time I'm sure, because I asked, that the four of us have been in that particular setting. And I was just sitting there with, like a kid at Christmas, my jaw on the ground. And it was one of those things like you're talking about. I'll get to visit with all those names you just mentioned who, who were from my era, and I was from theirs, and we did share a lot of things. So, yeah, that's as cool as anything. You know, the fans come first, but sitting around, you know, talking to those guys about the old days is pretty cool, too. It's so cool. And for you to mention that is uh, is absolutely unbelievable because we can't forget, John and I being from the Northeast, we cannot forget when the Brain Busters took on the Rockers. Some of the best matches of the late 80s were the Brain Busters and the Rockers, and I'm sure we're going to get to that in just a minute here. But just to kind of wrap up what you're saying about the Hall of Fame, the Rock and Roll Express going in was huge. Uh, and we spoke with Jim Cornette about three weeks ago, and he said what he loved about showing up to do the WWE Hall of Fame, which, of course, was another amazing thing in its own self, was him, his return. But he walked in, he said he saw Ric Flair, he saw Arn Anderson, he saw the Rock and Roll Express, he saw himself there. He said it felt like it was a Crockett pay-per-view. And he really felt uh, very special that the, uh, the embracement of the, uh, the NWA and the Crockett era superstars are really starting to get embraced. Do you feel that fans as well are starting to really embrace the Crockett era and trying to do all they can to learn about that era of guys? Well, absolutely. You know, in, in those days... You know, if you lived up north and you didn't have TBS, you were WWF fans at the time, which is now obviously WWE. And they didn't get a lot of stuff unless it was syndicated Crockett stuff. So 
there definitely were two distinct audiences, and then your syndication started going in there. And, of course, you know, cable TV revolutionized everything. So, you know, the fans that they used to, you know, that will come up to me now and still know me as it's the Brain Busters. You know, it's not, not so much the Horsemen. Of course, they know about it, but, you know, they were Brain Buster fans or hated the Brain Busters guts, one or the other. So, you know, the cross-pollination of all that with with the brands and everything being consolidated, it's just uh, somebody has a different story and somebody was a fan of a different era, but I think everybody understands that Crockett was something pretty special and a lot of major, major talent came from that company and that era. I know I will be forever grateful uh, because that's where I cut my chops and figured out, you know, about really what to do in this business and how to grow and excel and add to the to the business itself and contribute and uh that's what they were all about and that's why they were so su- successful <clears throat> looking back at nwa and jcp it's just an amazing roster of talent like we, we mentioned a bunch of guys that were great but i think at the top of everyone's list is going to be arn anderson flair and the horseman I think that's going to really come to mind. When that group came together, and you you know you cut that legendary promo, the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. Did you ever dream that it was going to turn into this huge monster that it became? No, I don't. You know, just like I didn't walk into that interview planning to say any of that. It, it literally, you know, and a lot of people don't believe it, but most do because it's the absolute truth. It just, you know, it just popped into my head, and I. It was just born that day, and uh, it's funny. The very next week, people were were starting to chant, Four Horsemen, Four Horsemen, Four Horsemen, and then, you know, the Four Fingers went up, and and that started to grow. Um, It was something that just literally came out of nowhere, but as soon as it was, Tony Giovanni stepped up and went, hey, you just named you guys. I could see the look on everybody's face. They immediately got on board, and we knew we had something special. We just didn't know how special. And so many people are still talking about the Horsemen to this day, probably the greatest faction of all time. Obviously, a big part of that group besides yourself and Tully and Rick is Ole. And you mentioned before, everyone always asks you, you know, where is he today and all sort of stuff. Was he a great mentor to you? Obviously, besides, you know, quote-unquote resembling him and being his cousin and, you know, or being, being a part of the Anderson family being his brother and this and that. Was he a big mentor in, in your wrestling life? I don't know that he knew that he was because anybody that knows Ole knows Ole's kind of in his own world. But I tell you, I learned as much, and I've said this on record, as much or more from him in the eight, ten months we were together, whatever it was, than I did the entire time I was in the, the business credibility is the first word you know that comes to mind i looked at ole anderson as his partner and i just sat there in the corner in awe of of just how good how convincing how rugged uh he made you believe you know because he was real ole anderson was was a badass no doubt about it and uh i just kind of sat there and soaked it in and, and and just learned a lot of intangibles from him that I took with me and I try to teach today. He, uh, yeah, you know, he was awesome. 
with Ole, the Minnesota rec- Wrecking Crew, obviously great. The Horsemen is great. And you guys had great chemistry, but I think second to none would be you and Tully. And like we said, the Brain Busters, but you and Tully, even in the NWA, possibly the greatest chemistry of all time, possibly you know your greatest tag partner. Can you just explain how you and Tully were able to mesh so well together? Well, if you look, if you look at the best teams over time, they weren't, you know, Ole and I looked looked alike, but we didn't wrestle alike. Um, Tully and I looked nothing alike, wrestled absolutely nothing alike, but we both had our strengths and we both had our weaknesses, and we stayed away from our weaknesses and worked towards our strengths, and and that kind of leads you to you know now okay we got to put a match together let's let, let's see uh, who our competition is look look at their strengths look at their weaknesses and we did a lot of planning before matches you know a lot of conversation between he and I and hey if this happens you know or this comes up let's try this or you know it was just a lot of thought that went into it you, we just didn't walk in there blind we did our homework and uh, the main thing is that we shot for is when we walked out of that curtain, you can feel the passion and the audience one way or the other, you know, about us. And we could feel it in each other because we just, whether or not Rick was after us or in the match with us or that rare time that that he might have even been below us, which I don't know when that would ever have been, but the fact is, the success of the Horsewood was because, Barry Windham included, we all tried to outdo each other with the recipients obviously being the fans. You know, we tried to steal the show from each other with whatever opponent we had. And it was, we were working for the audience and working for that feeling that when you came back through the curtain, you didn't have to ask anybody how the match was. You knew. One way or the other, you knew. And uh, I think that's what, you know, the competitive spirit between Tully and I uh, and whoever our opponent was is what made us a a very good tag team, I thought. Um, Much like Dennis Condry and Bobby Eaton and Cornette, in my opinion, the the greatest tag team that ever was. That's just my opinion. Uh, But Tully and I fit in there somewhere, That's that's for sure. If it's not top one, I guess, you know, it could be top two with the Midnight Express, that's for sure. And it's great with you and Tully. I mean, I always said you guys were better than Flair, and, and obviously people could argue with me on that. But you guys were such a key and vital role. You guys could have a good match with the Road Warriors and then have a good match with Rock and Roll Express, who are the opposite. And then, like you said, you guys can have a good match with the Midnight Express. You guys kind of take that with, uh, you know, a lot of pride that, hey, any team you throw at us, no matter what, we're going to have a good match. Absolutely. Absolutely. At the end of the day, you had to know who you were working for, and you were working for the audience. You know, Jim Crockett, you know, paid our salary, but the fact is the audience dictated and determined on whether you got over or not. And uh, if you put a butt every 16 inches and it was barely, you were barely able to hear yourself think the whole time you were in that ring, you knew pretty well you had contributed. And uh, that was the goal because when the houses are full, everybody benefits. And uh, it was that unselfishness um, 
that I think drove the company for that three-year period. It certainly, we certainly showed a leadership role in the company and the way we conducted our business. And, uh, yeah, it just worked. It was a very special time. And, and I call that the golden age from, from 85 to probably 89. I don't think the business has ever been hotter. Uh, every, both companies were doing well. We would be sold out in, in Philadelphia at the Civic Center. They'd be at the Spectrum, you know, cross town sold out. So business was good. Uh, competition is always good for everybody, and uh, we just love competing. Like you said, 85 to 89, golden age of wrestling is probably all our favorite era on, our, on this show. We always love to talk about it. Such a great time in wrestling. So many larger-than-life characters. So many guys you could just point to and just name off the top of your head and just rattle them off that they're a huge star. And as far as the horsemen are concerned, I have to mention Dusty, who fits in that category perfectly. Huge, larger-than-life guy. We had the chance uh, to interview him on our show. He was just, what an unbelievable guy. And just charisma even comes through on the phone. And you just feel close to him over the phone. It's crazy. But he kind of really got you over in your TV title feud with him. Can you just kind of give us a little bit of uh, a little bit of Dusty, you know, as far as your experiences with him. Dusty is one of the the few guys, and there's probably just a few that to this day, uh, if he walked, God bless him, out on my deck where I'm sitting right now, I would just sit here with my jaw on the ground thinking to myself, God, what a big star he is. Um, I feel that way today. I feel that way uh, my entire career and the first time I ever met him. I was just starstruck. He's one of those rare individuals that it just comes out of his pores. And uh, Dusty Rhodes was never Virgil Runnels. Dusty Rhodes was always Dusty Rhodes. And it wasn't something he put on in the morning and took off at night. He was, that's who he was. And he was a huge star and uh, he was a creative guy. And uh, one thing one thing Dusty knew better than anything is Dusty knew how to program a show with him at the lead, and he should have been in the lead, and uh, sell some tickets. And uh, I learned a lot from him. I learned just being in the, by osmosis, just being in a match with him elevated me. I know that. And uh, I saw it happen to a lot of guys. And uh, he was something special. There will only be one, that's for sure. Definitely true on Dusty. And do you think that the Horsemen would have gotten kind of as big as they did without Dusty being that perfect foil for them? I think Dusty needed the horseman, and the horseman needed Dusty. I agree with that 100%. Then you filter in uh, the Rock and Roll Express, and you figure in, you know, all the other players, the Midnight Express, you you know, Ronnie Garvin, you name it. Everybody that, uh, that was in that era that was contributing, the Road Warriors, my God, you know, we had a lot of, lot of, Packed houses wrestling those guys. Uh, it was just one of those when you got Brad Armstrong and Tim Horner and the first and second match, as good as those guys were, you know, it was just loaded top to top to bottom. Uh, you know, the Russians, it's incredible. Incredible amount of talent came through Jim Crockett Promotions, that's for sure. 
everybody really a contributing factor to the success uh, that really, you know, was Jim Crockett Promotions. But if we just can uh, skip forward a little bit and for the sake of time, just want to cover a little bit of uh, the WWF run. So I know you've always said that that run was such a big deal because, you know, even though it was only about a year or so, the impact that you guys had was great. And like you mentioned, Ronnie Garvin, yourself, Barry Windham, Dusty Rhodes, Tully, by this, and J.J. actually, too, moving over into an office capacity. At one point in 1989, there was about as much of the N.W.A. Crockett feel in the W.W.F. than there was anywhere else. But the one question I've always wanted to ask you, this is a total fanboy question, is there, was there any chance at any point that Flair was going to come over because you had the core members of the Four Horsemen all in the W.W.F. at one point? There was discussion. Um about that before Tully and I left uh, there was a, a lot of gray area on was Crockett gonna sell the company were they gonna go bankrupt you know there was just it was all rumors it never it didn't come from any of the Crockett's but you know all rumors start somewhere um, so there was discussion about Flair coming um, as it turned out I don't think anybody truly believed Tully and I were gonna make the move um, there was some inside wrangling that, that uh, wasn't benefiting us, and we couldn't get an answer um, on some stuff. So I thought it was this, you know, if, if a big hole goes in the middle of that ship, there's only going to be so many life jackets. And um, there had been feelers sent out, you know, over the, over the years, you know, that Vince would like to like to have you guys. So we thought timing was everything. And we did make that move. Uh, Rick decided against it. Uh, there was a, dis- you know, some discussion. Everybody's got to make their own business decisions. He made his. We made ours. Uh, I would just like to say before it gets forgot about, James J. Dillon was as much uh, a part of the Horseman as any one of us. And I feel that way today, just like I felt that way then. He added to our group. He was truly a mentor truly a manager as far as organizational skills and he's just a good man and I call him a good friend to this day so I don't want anybody to make light of the fact that J.J. Dillon was the fifth horseman and uh, for sure. Oh, 100%, and we completely agree. We uh, we had the uh, privilege to talk to J.J. We did about 90 minutes with J.J. Uh, about two years ago and it was a crash course in so many different facets of the industry and a history lesson with all the places that he's been, and uh, definitely if any fans want to go back and, and find that in our archive, that is an, a great two-parter. But just kind of sticking, if we can, to uh, the WWF tone, uh, you were paired with Bobby Heenan, you became his brain busters. Uh, you mentioned Marty Jannetty and Shawn Michaels, the Rockers, really got you guys got married to each other, took them under your wings, and had some of the best matches, like I said before, of the 1980s with the two of them. If you can, just kind of cover it um, in you know, a little bit of detail where you guys took on that role, got over a really hot babyface tag team, and uh, they really learned a lot from you. But what was that experience like with the Rockers at that point? Well, you know, they were young. They did listen. You know, after, you know, we wrestled some teams before we got to the Rockers, and I think they saw that, you know, what we're all about. Uh, I think our reputation you know, spoke for us. We looked at those two kids, and it's like, oh, my God, it's Ricky and Robert, you know, just, 
you know, if anything, just a little younger, and, and I don't mean this in a derogatory sense, a little more athletic, maybe what they brought to the table. No, you know, no doubting that the, the Rockers and, and the Rock and Roll Express were on level playing fields with each other, but my God, Shawn Michaels, you could see that he was special then, and, and Marty Jannetty as well. Um, and it was just one of those things that they trusted us, and man, we were able to pull some time, you know, 20, 25 minutes, 30 minutes, and we were able to tell a, a heck of a story with those guys, and God, they were so good and so dependable, and just... Uh, it was just a, a special time. You know, there were a lot of great teams that, that put us in a position to, to be where we were. You know, there, obviously, demolition, for God's sakes. Uh, Strike Force, our WrestleMania match, you know, at uh, WrestleMania 5. Uh, the Hart Foundation, uh, the Bulldogs. I mean, the, the amount, the teams were just, it was incredible. Uh, the Bushwhackers brought something entirely different to the table. Uh, but, you know, to this day, if you ask me what, what's your favorite tag match of all time, it would be the Rockers. And it's just simply because they brought out the best in us, and I feel like we brought out the best in them. Bobby Heenan had more heat than anybody in the company, and as well he should be. You know, all he had to do was look at the crowd, and the weasel chants were, were deafening, which certainly helped. And our affiliation with the Giant and Haku as well, it was like... Uh, Man, they just welcomed us into the fold, and uh, it just helped make that that time that year very, very special. And, and I think a lot of people uh, should be commended. Certainly, everybody in the company that helped make it happen. But again, I feel like, and I got no problem saying that we held our end up and contributed as much as, as anybody else. The best. You go from the Horsemen to the Heenan family, and obviously so much success. And you know, and it's also kind of ironic to have JJ in the office at that point with Bobby Heenan there. So two guys that had huge parts uh, playing on your career uh, to be there at the same time, I think is kind of ironic. But you mentioned Demolition there. You guys beat them for the Tag Team Championship. And that, again, was another feather in your cap. And you guys really uh, you had some great matches with them. And I just want to touch on the Rockers. The Saturday night's main event match, the MSG matches, the L.A. Sports Coliseum, those are amazing. But that match at Demolition where you beat them, for the championships is one of those highlights of the uh, the old school, you know, Saturday morning WWF era that people really remember. But there was some uh, some stiff shots there. I remember there was a chair shot that really took out Smash. But talk about it if you can getting those belts and what that meant to uh, you and Tully because now you mastered the tag team division on both ends of the uh, the territories. Well, it was just like when we wrestled the Road Warriors. Um, I don't think anybody in the building, bought a ticket, coming to that to, the, to that particular show thinking, well, the Brain Buster's going to beat Demolition, or they're going to beat the Road Warriors. It was, they bought a ticket to see those guys put the wood to us, you know, and I think that's what it was about, doing our job at that particular time, and uh, I don't think anybody thought we were, they, they figured we were going to get that far maybe on the totem pole, and that would be the end of it. Um, certainly the way it was done, it was done properly because, again, those guys were uh, the WWE's Road Warriors at that particular time and, and very good, both of them, exceptional team and uh, just, you know, much bigger than us, much stronger than us. Um, and we just, 
I guess we were more cunning. And when you got the giant walking down with a chair in his hand, I think that kind of uh, equals everything that anybody else can put up against you and then trumps it. So all the pieces fell into place, and uh, that was the time that I think the world realized that, you know, the horsemen slash the brain busters could function and not only function but thrive in any environment on earth where you put on a pair of knee pads and put on a pair of boots and went to the ring. didn't matter what company, where, for what reason. So that put us on the map, I think, forever, and uh, it stuck. Absolutely. And as I start to wind it down a bit here, I just always wanted to ask you, because I actually have on my laptop, I always keep this quote, and I got a, and on, on there it says double A on the bottom. It says, adversity introduces a man to himself. And it always stuck with me, and I always thought, man, Arn is – is the best promo guy. He's so underrated as a promo guy. Everyone remembers Flair Loud and everything else. Your promo and your style of, you know, of the way you're kind of coming through to the audience, like how did you kind of come up with that, that you're just going to, you know, you're almost like talking to the people? Well, I watched everybody that got my attention when I was growing up watching wrestling on TV. And, and I started to ask myself, you know, why do I dislike this guy or why do I like this guy? And, and when you get screaming, you know, and there was times that, that the volume would go up on, on some of my promos. But I always thought to myself, I'm going to listen to a guy that's talking to me instead of at me. Uh, when you start talking at me, I think most people are the same way they turn to you know, tend to turn it off. Um, so I try to use that platform. And if you can give people something in their everyday lives to use as analogy to to stress your point, you get their attention and you hold their attention. And it's not just going to be, I don't think anybody wants to see a guy for three minutes with spit flying out of his face saying he's going to, you know, kick your ass. I just, I don't think that will hold anybody's attention, but if you give them something in their everyday life, a scenario that they can grasp, and then you have your point that redirects it to our business, it's just more fun and it's more captivating to listen to. And uh, I don't know if that's a style or not, but that's the way I went. And um, it's funny, uh, your positioning at the time, I feel like my promos that I did then get a lot better press today than they did at the time because maybe I wasn't positioned on the card that well at the time. So, you know, if that makes any sense to you, people aren't going to put as much stock into it as if you're a main eventer. But, you know, uh, in those days there was so much talent, you would go from being either the main event to the third match on the card, and there was that occasional you would be the fourth match of the night. And your ability to hold your position and stay over moving up and down that sliding scale. A lot of it depended on your promos. Uh, certainly wasn't a one loss record that, that kept me interesting in anybody's eyes. <laughs> Definitely. And, you know, if I could, there's so many great Arn Anderson matches out there. I mean, there's literally a million I can, could go on. I'm not going to list them all, but there's a million few that just stick out is war games back in the 80s, obviously, you know, the horsemen 
against the superpowers and Dusty and the Road Wars and everything else. And then even when you were in the Dangerous Alliance, there was an awesome uh, War Games match against the Sting Squadron. Then obviously, you know, your feud with Ric Flair, your many matches with Bobby Eaton. I mean, I can just go on and on, but you kind of became the the guy in War Games. Like, you were always in it, always let it off. It always became, a, you know, a five-star match because of your involvement. Do you ever look back and, and think that the War Games is one of your favorite matches, or is it one of those painful memories for you? It was a full day's work, that's for sure. Uh, a lot of nights I thought about, oh, my God, this is a hard way to make a living. Um, when you're trapped in that cage with Dusty and, uh, uh, let's just say, Dusty, Nikita, the Road Warriors, Luger, whoever it was, Barry Windham, whoever it was on the other side, Ricky Steamboat, it's uh, it's a hard 35 or 40 minutes. But it also played perfectly into who and what we were. And uh, we always said, you know, we're not going to make any bones about it. If you jump on one of us, you jump on five of us. Now it was a format to crawl in the cage, and it was legal and acceptable, and it was the way to go, all five of us in that cage at one time. So we were in our element, and I can't remember a war games that we got dominated. I don't remember how many we won, if we ever won any. But the fact is, if you ask anybody today who won war games in this particular town, if they were there that night, I'm not sure they can tell you, but they will tell you, oh, my God, what a bloodbath and what a war. And and that's what sold tickets. And to be able to pull off, I think it was, oh, 22 out of 36 days, once that summer where we went on tour in all the uh, stadiums, I don't know the exact count, but it was something like that. We, I know we all, all of us almost bled to death that summer, but uh, it was something special. It's, it's also stood the test of time, and, it, and it, that was one of those adversity introduces you to yourself. Uh, that was probably one of those war games is where that quote came from because, buddy, if there would have been an exit out of there a few of those nights, I don't know that I would have took it. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I got you on that. Those are some classic matches, but obviously bloodbath, and obviously for anybody involved, there's a lot of injury, I, w- I would definitely say. But with, with Arn, there's so many awesome matches you know, outside of war games. Do you have, besides the Rockers and, and tag team, do you have a favorite opponent or maybe a couple favorite opponents as far as one-on-one matches are concerned? <clears throat> I don't know that there's any one match. Um, I would probably just say, and I don't know, a lot of people go to the Ric Flair and myself match in Asheville pay-per-view. I don't think that match was one of my favorite. I didn't particularly enjoy it. you know, it's kind of hard to it's kind of hard to pound the knot in, in your best friend, even if he is acting up and showing his ass and, and doing a lot of things that are disrespectful to you. You know, I guess we probably had to have that match just to get it out of our system. But any match that Ricky Steamboat was in, or Bobby Eaton, 
or Shawn Michaels or Barry Windham, uh, any of those guys, and I don't know what order they would go, but he, but here would be my the way I would probably summarize this. You can take Brad Armstrong, Ricky Morton, Barry Windham, Shawn Michaels. Uh, did I say Steamboat? Yep. Okay. You can take any of those guys, <clears throat> and I don't know which one is one or which one is five, but that's the top five guys that, that I've been in the ring with to where I just sat there in amazement as to how good they really were. And uh, they weren't all positioned on top, but my God, Brad Armstrong was probably as good as anybody I've ever been in the ring with. And uh, those you remember, those were such a pleasure. And uh, all those guys have just uh, contributed so much to the to the industry. I know my time in the ring with them, I will always uh, respect and hold near and dear to my heart and just be thankful that I had that. They're all great. And you yourself, uh, absolutely amazing, one of the greatest workers of all time, one of the greatest talkers of all time. But I'm sure this is another question that you get a lot. I know you said you get a lot of questions about where's Ole. You get a lot of questions of, you know, who your favorite partner or, or who your favorite tag match. But I'm just curious because, you know, this might be, you know, a little bit of fanboy in me. But do you have a favorite incarnation of the Four Horsemen? Because I know the original, obviously, Four means a lot. You, Arn, Tully, and Barry Windham are probably – and uh, Flair, obviously, are uh, probably the greatest workers. I always loved Arn, Flair, Benoit, and Pillman, just for that small uh, point in time. But does Arn Anderson have a favorite incarnation of the Four Horsemen? Uh, the first will always be special, just because it was the first, and it was it was unique. Um, probably, I would say, I agree with the fans that say the Barry Windham incarnation was probably the most functional, most fun to watch, most exciting, best group, bell to bell. And you can name any other, probably any other group is open to conjecture, but certainly the first one and the Barry Windham uh, version would be the top two. Well, you can't really argue that when uh, Arn Anderson tells you his favorite incarnation of the four horsemen that's definitely uh it's going to be hard to uh to debate it since you were there for every version of the four horsemen and as we uh, as we wrap it up here you know we're going to get to the plug in one second for the mid-atlantic wrestle expo but i always like to end it by asking you know you've done such a great job in the wwe as a producer uh, we've talked to so many guys that reference you and what you provided to their you know matches and to their careers and giving them advice but at the end of the day, what would you say your legacy is in professional wrestling? Um, I always go back to this. I was the guy that, whether it was the boss of the company or the fans at the time or my opponents, I was the guy that they looked at and said, not a great body, not big enough, not strong enough. Not quick enough. A lot of knots in there, but somehow through being a student of this business and loving this business and wanting to pass the gifts that were given to me from the veterans at the time, my ability to help 
the young guys of this business carry on uh, the legacy of of the industry. Um, I guess if you put, you know, on my epitaph, just say, you know, in as much as this guy, Arn Anderson, chose this business, it chose him as well. That is absolutely phenomenal, and I am so excited, and I know John is as well, for May 20 at the Mid-Atlantic Wrestle Expo in Richmond, Virginia. You can go to Facebook.com and type in the Mid-Atlantic Wrestling Expo, get all the information, or you can go to our Facebook page and get all the information. It's going to be an honor just to watch you pick up the pen and sign some autographs and take some pictures. But what are your parting words for the fans that will be in attendance at the Mid-Atlantic Wrestle Expo that are coming to see the one and only enforcer, Arn Anderson? Guys, just remember, whoever it be, if it's a, if it's a grandfather bringing a son or a father bringing a son or a Whoever it might be, just just understand, I am more excited and more honored to shake your hand and sign something for you and relive your memories as you guys will be. Thanks for coming in advance. Can't wait to see everybody. Absolutely, Arn. This has been an absolute pleasure, and we can't wait. I mean, we're if you, if you saw my calendar, I'm literally crossing the days off uh, as we get closer and closer to uh, May 20th. So thank you so much, and we look forward to seeing you that day. Thanks for all your support, guys. It's a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling. What the world is downloading.